Well, it's beautiful to have these wonderful people from Hats and Gore Park Outreach with us today and for us to talk about uh, the gift that many of you contributed to. Again, thank you for those of you who gave generously. What happens is when we give to God and we give to other people in love, um, believe that God takes those gifts uh, and he turns it into life change as, as people participate and care for other people. And um, just a beautiful thing for us as a community to go above and beyond and see God help us go above and beyond. And we know, as I said, that your hearts, so many of us are, are with people who are caring for those who are needed in our city. And this makes a huge difference. And um, so thank you. And we're talking in this teaching series we're calling it, what are we fighting for? And um, we're just acknowledging we live in a culture and a time and a place where there's a lot for us to fight about. There's a lot for us to disagree about. There's a lot for us uh, to spend our energy trying to argue about and trying to be right about. And what a great example this morning of people, um, and they represent all kinds of volunteers who are doing great things in our city, but people who say, let's pour our energy into solving some practical problems in whatever way that we can. And it's not the only solution, it's just what we're doing, but it's one solution, and there, there are ways that we can actually help people. And so uh, for, for those from Hats and from Gore Park Outreach to come, and even today, just put on display that we are fighting for people. And isn't it so much better uh, than fighting against each other to fight for someone? Fight for somebody who's in need. Fight for somebody that maybe we could help in some small way uh, to see their life changed. And uh, so we're grateful for them. Thank you for being with us. Uh, those of you who just shared with us. And again, thank you for the generosity. Uh, at the end of today, before you go in the lobby, uh, we've got some balloons out there. We've got some cake out there. We just want to celebrate because um, this is one of those moments where we're reminded this is part of who we are as followers of Jesus. And uh, we want to celebrate the gifts that are given and the ways that this is going to make a difference in people's lives as we uh, just take a moment to pour our energy into fighting for some people, not always fighting against people. And part of my heart for this teaching series is just to share that uh, I think if we don't change our approach to things like conflict and disagreement, um, we're going to be hopeless because controversy and conflict is not going away anytime soon. Even as I talk about the fact that we live in a, a time and place in the world where it seems like we're so polarized and there's so many things to fight about, um, that kind of conflict is not new. It might be that we're in a time and place where it's a little uh, more heightened and um, certainly what we do online and social media and the way that we communicate probably contributes to that. It can be in a positive way and also a negative way. Um, and, and there's definitely some issues that rise to the top. But it's not necessarily new. We've always had things to fight about. We've always had things to disagree about. And uh, we need to figure that out. And I'm just convicted that we need to find uh, some new approaches rather than just fighting against each other. And um, so today I want to talk a little bit about how as a church community, followers of Jesus, and whether you've been here forever or maybe you're just here and you're not even fully bought in, you don't know if you want to follow Jesus, you're just checking things out. I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like for us to create belonging in a world where we have so many disagreements and so much conflict, and even in a place where if we are really honest with each other, in this room or those of us watching online, uh, those of us who would say we're part of the Westside Church community, um, there's all kinds of stuff that we could disagree about, and we do disagree about. And if we kind of brought all of those things out, we might even be surprised to say, wow, there's people, uh, even within the church, we don't agree on all kinds of stuff. So how, in the midst of all of that, can we create a place where people really meaningfully belong, where we can invite people in, and we can say things like, you can belong here, and actually mean it, even if there's things that we disagree about, and even if some of those things we disagree about might be really important and might be uh, very emotional 
emotional for us, might be hot topics for us. Um, here's a couple of uh, approaches or, or things maybe you've experienced and you've been on one side or the other of this. When it comes to our approach to belonging, because again, it's not just, hey, we want to all in, you know, belong and invite everybody in. That's good. But then what does that mean? And what happens when, when there's certain issues or certain things that we're fighting about and we're not sure what to do about? What, what happens when there's beliefs or behaviors that we uh, are concerned about and we don't know what to do about? And how do we define ourselves? Well, sometimes what we do is we sacrifice relationships for rules. So in other words, we say, in order to make sure that we can sort of um, all coexist here and be happy, we need a set of rules that we can all agree with. And if that means that you can't agree to those rules or live by those rules or be part of that, then, well, too bad. Maybe you don't belong here. Maybe we can't be all that close. Maybe we sacrifice the relationship for the rules. Now, others of us, we might go the other way or feel like going the other way. And sometimes we might compromise our convictions for inclusion. So we might say, oh, I don't like that first option. Uh, We want everybody to be included. We want everybody to come. Uh, And yet, what do we do with the things that we disagree on? Well, maybe we just need to compromise on those things, compromise our convictions. Uh, We don't draw any lines at all and just make sure everybody can come and be here. And those are kind of two broad approaches I want to talk a little bit more about in a second that maybe you've felt part of that. And maybe not just in church, although church this has happened. Maybe you've come to a church at some point in your life and you realized, oh, I really don't belong here. Maybe it's been part of your family life. Is it you realized, hey, I don't necessarily have the same values as my family or I've always struggled to live out the values that the rest of my family has and you felt like you're pushed away. Or maybe you're the one that's on the other side and saying, no, we got to keep things all together and if, I don't want to condone bad behavior and so we got to make sure we've got these, these really tidy boundaries and, and everything um, is very clear so that everybody knows if you follow the rules and everything's going to be good. And maybe you've had some emotional experiences with those kind of things. But today, let's just think through it a little bit if we can. It brings up um, at least three different approaches that churches have taken to figure out how do we decide who belongs and doesn't belong, and I want to talk a little bit about that. So this, uh, what I'm going to talk about, comes from a number of people who've worked on this. Uh, There's a guy named Paul Heber, who um, he talked about these things we're going to talk about, uh, and then a bunch of people who have built on it. Uh, There's a guy named Mark Baker who wrote a book on what I'm talking about today, Um, and we really want to talk talk about what it looks like to really belong, how we pursue belonging, for those of us who are Jesus uh, followers, in kind of a a church setting, Uh, but I think this will ripple out even to how you deal maybe with your family or at work or if you're uh, out somewhere, even how you're dealing with people at your kids' school uh, or friend groups that you're interacting with. So here's three approaches to belonging. The first one is referred to as a bounded set. So a bounded set is when we approach things like belonging is based um, on firm boundaries of belief and behavior. So what we do is we say, let's list the things that are very important to us that make us us. Uh, Here's what you need to believe. Here's the way you need to behave. We list all those things out. We kind of make a box and we say, if you can believe those things and behave that way, then you get to be in. And if you don't believe those things and you don't behave that way, then you're out. Now, there's some strengths to this kind of way of thinking. And the biggest strength is that it's clear. It clearly highlights and maintains the boundaries. So you could see how that would be really uh, effective for a lot of us, is to say, well, we don't want it to be foggy. We want to know the important things. This is what we believe, and this is how we behave. This is not how we behave. And so you're in or you're out based on those things. And we just kind of, you know, build a box around that. And if you can follow it, you get to be in. If you don't, then you're out. Now, uh, there's a couple of issues with this. Um, Here's some weaknesses. This can lead to legalism. 
So a focus on, wow, it's, it's really what you do or what you believe that makes you loved or lovable or included. It can lead to, uh, obviously, self-righteousness. So if I'm inside the box, I feel pretty good about myself. But then judgmental, judgmentalism comes in. So now we look at people who are outside of our box and we can judge them. Oh, they don't believe the right things. Oh, they don't behave the right way. Oh, they couldn't get their act together. They can't get their life together. Obviously, exclusion So it's easy to push people away and say, well, if you're not part of our box, then we don't have to worry about you. You're on the outside. You're not part of our community. A sense of superiority, so I can feel good if I'm on the inside and we've created our box where we fit into. And then a big one is this focuses oftentimes on outwards expression. So the things that we can easily see. So there's a list of things and the ones that are normally named when we kind of take a bounded set approach are the ones that are easy for us um, to sort of recognize, to see, to call out. And maybe I would go a little bit further, not just outwardly things, but oftentimes uh, when those people who are creating the boundaries, they're usually talking about not things that they really struggle with, but things that other people really struggle with. Now, depending on your church tradition, and there are many even within Christianity, this could look different in all kinds of different ways. So you say, well, if you're a part of a Christian community, wouldn't the boundaries always be the same? But they're not, because we also kind of pick and choose the things that are hot topics to us, the things that are emotional to us, the things that are important to us. It's never a comprehensive list of everything that's good or everything that's bad. Um, There's often things, and, and they change. They change. So the hot topics for us, even now you're thinking, oh yeah, we have to policy on this, policy on that. What's our boundary here? What's our boundary? there, but they change from uh, generation to generation. They change based on what's kind of a a big deal in our culture, maybe what we're dealing with currently. Um, Maybe we're reacting to something that's happened to us. So you might have been part of a Christian tradition or a church um, where you can even think of what were the boundaries, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Sometimes it's been things like, well, for a time it was dancing, going to the movies, Things that some of us would be like, going to the movies? Really? That was a boundary for a while. There was people who wouldn't be caught dead going to a movie theater because of their church community. That'd be exclusion. Often it's things like divorce, alcohol, smoking. There's always something about sex. Often gender roles in the church and in marriage. Um, there's belief things, um, how old the earth is. For a period of time, do you believe the earth is 5,000 years or 5 billion years? That's going to be an in or out question. Sometimes it's the end times. I remember speaking to somebody. Uh, he was part of a missions organization for most of his life, and he was kind of, uh, you know, getting into his 80s and stuff. And all his life, part of being part of this organization where they would send missionaries to all kinds of parts of the world to care for people and share love with people and uh, tell people about Jesus. And you also had to sign off on some uh, what you believed about the end times and when Jesus is coming. You had to be premillennial. If you don't know what premillennial means today, see, it's interesting. Once upon a time, that was a really strict boundary. Now a lot of us will go, I don't even know what you're talking about. And for today, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, I don't care. But once upon a time, it was this huge deal. You can't be part of our organization or our ministry unless you can sign off on this uh, doctrine. How much free will do we have? How much is determined? See, sometimes these are huge, hard questions that are very complicated. And one of the answers is we need to have a bounded set. Here's what we believe. And if you can jump the line and get inside the box, then you can belong. And that's how the theology went. If you want to really belong, first you got to believe, first you got to behave, clean yourself up, then you can be part of this. Again, it can be fairly clear and that can be attractive, but can lead to things like legalism, self-righteousness, judgmentalism, exclusion, superiority, focusing on outward appearances, all kinds of stuff. Now, 
There's another approach that is sort of a reaction to that bounded set. So some people come along and say that's way too exclusionary, all those things, weaknesses. We can't be doing that as a church, and it doesn't really represent Jesus very well, and so we need to go the other way. And some have adopted what is called a fuzzy set approach, which says, um, hey, we can't just have all these barriers. Everybody just needs to come, and we're all going to be good with each other. And then there's kind of no clear expectations or requirements for belonging. Hey, you can just all come and, and, and be with us. Now, there's some strengths here too. It rejects some of those weaknesses in the other approach. It rejects legalism and self-righteousness and even inclusion, and it prizes inclusion. Hey, everybody can come. Everybody's invited. Come on over. Be part of this. But there are also some big weaknesses. The big weaknesses as you live this out is people have found that over time we realize there's no real clear sense of purpose or values or calling. And so people would look around and say, hey, it's great. Everybody belongs, but what do we belong to? Is there anything that really holds us together? So here's a metaphor. You go to a park one day, and there's a big soccer field. And there's a bunch of people on the soccer field playing soccer. And you learn, oh, this is, uh, uh, this is a team. They came together. They organized. They're part of a league. There was tryouts. People came, and they had to be good enough at soccer. And the ones who were the best, the coaches picked them for the team, and they created a team. And then they have certain practices. And then they have games, and they have a name for the team. That's their community. They're here to play soccer on this team. Not everybody can play on it. That's kind of your bounded set. Hey, we've got boundaries and barriers. You've got to have certain skills and abilities and commitment level. And then you can come and play soccer. Now, let's say one day, though, you went to the park, and there was a soccer field, and some people were playing soccer, but then over here, there were some people who were getting a tan, and over here, there were some people who were at a family picnic, and these people were having a family reunion. Some people were just walking their dog, and you say, hey, what's this group of people? And you go, well, we're all at the park. And you go, that's great, but um, like, what holds you together? And you look around and go, oh, I don't know. I think we're all just at the park. And these guys are tanning. These guys are playing soccer. That guy's he's walking his dog. And you go, no, I think we're just all at a park. It's kind of this, this fuzzy set. And you go, it's great. We're all here and everybody can come, but I don't know what we're doing here. And I don't know if there's anything that pulls us together, holds us together. In fact, some people just leave the park and that's the end of it. They never come back. doesn't matter. Suggest to you a third way of looking at it. And last week we were talking about a third way where uh, if we just review a little bit, uh, it's rejecting the binary options and reframing issues in a kingdom-oriented way. And this is maybe one of those examples as we think about a church community. Some people say, hey, we need to have all these really harsh sharp boundary lines of who's in and out. That's really clear. And others would say, no, you have to let everybody come and just, we'll just be who we are. And maybe there's a third way that in the midst of some of the strengths of each of those approaches, but also the weaknesses, maybe we need to look at a third way. And that way is called the center set. And that's what I want to talk about today. The cent- in the center set, belonging is based on a person's orientation and movement toward Jesus himself. So you saw in our first picture, it's kind of how do you get in and out of the boundaries? And the second picture, it's, hey, we're kind of all floating around in this fuzzy. We're not sure what keeps us together, although we want to be inclusive and, and make sure that we're all in. And now the centered set says, here we go. We're, it's not about creating these boundaries of in and out and being exclusive and self-righteous and hypocritical, but it's also not this kind of wishy-washy. We don't even know if we belong together because that doesn't build strong community. But instead, what our community is based on is right at the center, we put Jesus. And we, as followers of Jesus, commit ourselves to following him. Now, here's a bit about what that looks like. It's not a list of rules that we are committing to, although we will have rules. Of course, we're going to have rules. Of course, we're going to have guidelines of how we live. Otherwise, we're not going to get very far in life. But our focus is not on following the rules, but on Jesus himself at the center of our community. It's not on if you get past this artificial barrier that we've created, and as long as you're on the inside of that line, even if you're just on the inside, you include, instead, 
It's focusing on Jesus, which includes an orientation and movement toward, it's going to include uh, the values that Jesus brings in that we find in the scripture. It's going to affect our beliefs as we learn from Jesus and what he teaches about God and other people. It's going to incorporate practices that are necessary for loving other people and for loving God because now uh, it's not these artificial rules, but it is a movement that drives us closer and closer towards Jesus. It will be relational and orientational, which means instead of just an arbitrary, not arbitrary, but a list of rules that says, hey, this is going to be something we do together and we do with God and not just, hey, how it looks, but um, how am I oriented towards Jesus? So where do I find myself in relation to to him. It's going to include movement and be growth focused. So it's not going to be static. So in bounded set, what we might say is, as long as I get in the barrier, I'm fine. I might not have to grow that much more. As long as I'm in the community, I got in the boundary. I don't do the things that would get me kicked out. I tell everybody I believe those things. And then I don't even have to grow that much more because I'm included. In uh, a more centered set, when Jesus is at the center and we're, we're, we're moving towards him, we're always trying to grow. We're always trying to grow towards Jesus. We're not just trying to get to one part and say, now I belong, I'm fine. We're always trying to move towards Jesus, not just stay static where we are or quote unquote get in. And I think a big strength, the most important one maybe, is that uh, it most effectively describes Jesus' own pattern of relating to people. This, this is, we'll see in a second, how Jesus operated. Now, there is a weakness, of course. Every model has a weakness. It's not perfect. The weakness in this one is it's super messy, and it requires uh, a ton of relational investment. That it would be much easier, to be honest, to just set up a bunch of rules and say, follow them or don't, you're in or out. It would be easier to say, let's just hang out and not get too deep and, and not worry about how anybody's living. But a Jesus-centered, a centered set way is actually going to say, man, this is going to get messy because sometimes, man, we're going to disagree on stuff and we're still going to disagree on it. And we're not just trying to get uh, to check off boxes to say, wow, my life looks good enough on the outside enough or I'm following enough of the things. It says we actually are going to have to dive deep into our lives, deal with what's under the surface and migrate our lives towards Jesus. And that's going to be more difficult. It's going to take more time and more energy, but it will actually help us be transformed. The goal of it is to put ourselves before God and let him change us into the people he's called us to be. Let's look real quickly about how Jesus did this. Matthew chapter 9 says, And Jesus went on from there, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So here's Jesus starting out his ministry. He's doing some amazing things. People are following him. Uh, he's got a, uh, you know, started to get a reputation and all this kind of stuff. And he stops at a tax collector's booth. We talk a lot about tax collectors. In that culture, they were notorious notoriously selfish, treasonous, immoral people. They were hated sinners. They stole from their own people. They collected too much taxes. They took it to the Romans, and the Romans would use that money to support Rome, which was obvious, oftentimes against uh, the Jewish people, or they felt like it was. A uh, mixture of those two uh, are true. Um, and here Jesus comes, and to somebody who, like everyone around Jesus would say, tax collectors are out. And Jesus goes, come follow me. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And you go, who cares who he eats with? For these people, who you ate with was a huge boundary marker. 
I don't have too much time to talk about this, but the, the shared meal was a formal occasion where people who were members of your group, they were on the inner circle, they're on the inside of the boundary. Um, you would consume food. They often, you blessed, you made it sacred. Uh, the, the eating with each other was a way of saying, I accept you, I honor you, you're like family to me. There's all these books uh, of Jesus' time, the second temple period leading up to the time of Jesus and during the time of Jesus that said things like this. Tobit said, give to the needy, but don't share your bread with sinners. Don't eat with sinners. In the book of Maccabees, um, people refused to eat in an unclean manner. That is with people that were not on the inside. Uh, Even if it cost them their life, that's how big a deal. We'd rather die than eat with people that aren't on the inside. You've got Leviticus has dietary laws about what you can eat and where you can eat and how you can eat. And they add all these rituals to it that included hand washing and the surfaces that you ate off of, the containers that food was served in, um, the land that it was used to produce, utensils, stoves, ovens, seats, beds, all kinds of things that were quote unquote unclean. And if anything was of this was part of your meal, then you'd be unclean. You have in the book of Jubilees that God uh, commands Jacob. It's, he says, quote, separate yourself from the Gentiles, that is the non-Jewish people, the people who aren't on in, in your circle, and do not eat with them, and do not perform deeds like theirs, and do not become associates of theirs, because their deeds are defiled, and all of their ways are contaminated, and despicable, and abominable. You need a boundary from these people. The Dead Sea Scrolls said similar things, and they talked about these banquets that they would have, the communal meals. Some of them said, even to get into the meal, you'd have to have a ritual bath every single time before you ate together. Purify yourself. And they would neither eat or eat with anybody that wasn't part of their group, eat anything impure, including anything that a Gentile or a non-Jewish person maybe would have even merely touched. What we find is for them, table fellowship or eating with people, sitting at these meals, this was what they were worried about, created an intimate friendship. So it was increasingly reserved for those whom a person deemed the right kind of companions, the people who ate the right kinds of food who were the right kind of people, who had the right kind of boundaries. So when Jesus goes, finds a tax collector, he says, hey, come follow me, he goes to his, his house and eats dinner with them. That's why everybody's so shocked. How could you be approving of these people? That's what the meal said, I approve of you. He said, how could you approve of people? How could you, and this is so much confusion, I don't know if you've ever withdrawn approval because you don't want to condone something someone's done or something someone does. If you get too close, people will think you condone of what they do that you're fine with their lifestyle. And they're going to contaminate you. Those are unclean people. And their uncleanness is going to become your uncleanness. You need a boundary. You need to step away. can't do that. That's what's at stake for Jesus. And Jesus had this reputation. He says back to them on hearing that Jesus said, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He says, this is why I've come. I've come to sit with people that you've pushed out, that you've called sinners, that you haven't included. Because what I really want, I don't want just the sacrifices. I don't want all the religious stuff. I don't want all the the hoops you're jumping through at the temple or outside the temple. All the things, you can check the box, but they're all outward boundary markers. Here's what I really want. Jesus says, I want mercy. I want loyalty. I I want this love between you and God that extends to you and people that is so deep within you. That's why I've come, and I've come to the people who you've called sinners, who are sinners, who are bad, who the world has given up on, but that's exactly where God has sent me. And you guys think you're all well. You've got it all together. Well, great, you don't need me. That's why I sit and eat with these people. 
And I think there's a lot implied here. I think one of the things implied um, is that you've withheld all your acceptance because you think what's powerful is to judge people into changing their lives, but really what's powerful is to love people into changing their lives. So I got to go sit with them. I got to eat with them. I got to care for them. I got to welcome them in. I think it also implies that self-righteous religious people are possibly a bigger threat than those who are, quote-unquote, obviously sinful. That those of us who think we're inside the boundary and we've got it all together and we're more superior than everybody else, and if you believe what I believe and behave how I think you should behave, you can come on in, are a bigger threat than those people that religious people often deem as the outsiders, the sinners, you're ruining society, you're going to rub off on me, you're going to you know, ruin the world and, and everybody in it. Mark chapter 7 says something similar um, about Jesus. He says, after he, had, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. He had just told the parable. And he says, are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see, nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them. So he's talking about this whole thing because um, the idea was this is spiritually contagious or religiously contagious. The people who are on the outside that are unclean, that are unworthy, if you get too close to them, if you eat with them, if you touch with them, touch them, any of that kind of stuff, then you're going to become impure. And Jesus is coming back and saying, Don't you, nothing, outside, nothing that enters a person from the outside defiles them. That's not actually the way that things that are not supposed to be there get inside of you. He says, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. A little digestion joke. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Jesus saying, here's the thing. You've got all these outward existing boundaries that you're setting up. And the real problem is inside of you. That's what needs to change. That's what you need to yield and surrender to God. That's what I've come to, to offer people. And you're just focusing on these outward boundaries. People are clunking up against it. You can't be included. You can't really come here. But what really makes a difference, what really can defile you is what's inside of you, what needs to change. That's where Jesus would say, that's why I sit with these people. That's why I eat with these people. And what we see is where the defilement or the religious uncleanness of people, they were so worried about it contaminating other people, is Jesus would come and sit with these people, and instead of them contaminating him, it would be his love that would contaminate their life. That his love would be contagious to them. And so uh, I was looking at this and thinking about, um, thinking about the application of what does that mean for us, um, and thinking about those models of the bounded set and the fuzzy set, and, and one is a lot of rules and keeping people out, and the other is no rules and whatever, and kind of concluded that um, when we look at Jesus and how he accepted and loved people, it's not that we need to change our lives to be loved and accepted by God, but when we accept God's love and acceptance, our lives will change. So Jesus didn't come and say, um, hey, here's all the rules that you got to follow, and if you follow them, you're good. He rejected that model. He, did, he also didn't say, everybody's accepted. Who cares how you live? It doesn't matter. Instead, he sat with people and said, I'm going to love you and I'm going to accept you. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to lavish grace upon your life. Now come follow me. And that's what's going to change your life. You can't earn God's acceptance. You can't earn his love. You've already got it, so I'll give you that. I'm not going to hold it back until you come inside of my boundaries. I give it to you. But when you really get it, when you really receive it, beware, it's going to change your life. This is the centered set. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. 
draw closer to me as I draw closer to you. Know more about me. Experience my love more. As you come closer to, you, to me, your life will change. But it's going to be an orientation to me. It's a relational, growing uh, way of doing things. So I thought about that and thought, what's our application as a people? And uh, my initial thing was, we need to be more like Jesus. We need to be a community that says, um, we're not just creating barriers for people, we're inviting people in, but we're inviting people in, not just to, oh, who cares what you do, you're all included, but to actually draw near to Jesus. And we need to offer that, we need to be like Jesus. But I realized this, we cannot and will not be able to be like Jesus until we become more like Jesus. We're not Jesus. Before we could offer this to the world, before we could offer it to anybody, we need to allow Jesus to change our lives. In fact, we need to commit to allowing him to trans, uh, transform our lives over and over and over every day. And only as we, each of us as individuals and then collectively, become more and more like Jesus from the inside out, allowing him to do the work that transforms us in our lives, only then we'll be able to create a community that actually offers that to the world. We need to be formed by Jesus. Because all the defilement doesn't come from just creating rules and on the outside and the stuff that everybody sees. It has to deal with our, our, our inner workings. So I want to offer you today just a, a few opportunities where collectively together we can come together and commit to our spiritual formation to becoming more like Jesus and allowing him to do that. Uh, one of the things we talk a lot about here at Westside is our groups, our life groups. And I just want to share, there's a number of different opportunities that you can get involved with in the next few weeks. Uh, and we believe this is just an opportunity for us to come into some environments together so you're not doing this alone and to say, how do we let God uh, form us in the image of Jesus so that we can draw closer and closer to him and create um, this community where we are tethered to Jesus and hopefully we're all, wherever we are, even if you're way far away, you're coming just one step to Jesus and we're all a little bit more and more and more like Jesus so that our community looks more like Jesus so that we can love the world more like Jesus. So if you are not part of a life group, this is a great time to become a, a member of a life group. You can sign up at westsidehamilton.com slash groups, and you can go ahead and sign up. There's a bunch of groups that are already happening. They happen midweek. They often talk about what we've talked about on Sunday mornings, uh, look into scripture. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. Uh, we help each other out in life. And so that is a great opportunity for you to get involved. For those of you in Burlington, uh, you are launching life groups in the next few weeks. And so uh, your pastor, Mark, has more to tell you about the specifics of those groups. We're so excited for you to really launch into those over the next little while. And so uh, listen to what he's got to say and make sure that you're taking advantage of, of those opportunities. We have a couple other groups happening here in Hamilton, but they're open for anybody. If you're watching online, if you're in Burlington, you're here in Hamilton. Uh, we have a group that is going to be watching The Chosen. Um, this is, many of you have probably seen this, maybe watched some of it, um, a, a remarkable series on the, the life of Jesus. And so we have a group that's going to meet on Wednesday night, starting on the 24th, here at the church to uh, watch that, to learn more about Jesus, to have some uh, discussions together after that. Uh, and again, just look at who Jesus is and how he might change our lives. We also have another learning group that's going to start on Thursday nights uh, on the 25th. And this is where I'm going to spend uh, my time the next uh, month or so. We have some other people. We're going to go do some teaching on spiritual formation, on some practices that Jesus practiced in his life um, to open himself up to, to what God was doing and that he taught us to do as well. And so uh, we're going to take four 
weeks to look at some of those practices and how we can let God form us spiritually in more and more into the image of Jesus. I would love for you to join me and some others who are going to be doing that. Um, and all these things uh, you can find on our website, and this one you can sign up as well if you'd like to, and uh, uh, to join us there because um, I think this is transformation. It rules, rules are good. We need certain boundaries and rules, but we can't focus so much on them. They don't have the power to transform our lives. We can't just abandon how we live and say it doesn't matter what we do and there's no rules and nothing or else we're kind of lost and, and, and wandering. But I think where we have a real opportunity to grow is to be tethered to Jesus, put him at the center of our community and our lives. And as we grow closer to him, we will see that... Uh, that God transforms us and the world around us. And that's what I would love for us to be part of and invite you to be part of. So uh, please join a group, uh, come to one of those uh, learning groups, life groups, uh, The Chosen, and uh, we'd love to see you there. And uh, for us together to partner together in putting Jesus at the center of our lives and our community. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus, for showing us what you're like. And uh, we know that we fall short and some of us love to follow the rules and some of us have rebelled against the rules but God, today, uh, we pray that um, in the middle of everything, right at the center of our lives, we would find Jesus. And as we grow in our love for him and our understanding of how much you love us and care for us and lavish grace and forgiveness upon us, that our lives would continually change and that we would grow. And in that, we would see your Holy Spirit impacting not just us, but all the people around us. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen.